45 metres back. Bernard Foley's got the lead. It's got the legs, the distance. Hey team, it's Ando here from the Pick and Drive Rugby podcast and we are bringing you today our very special interview with head coach of the Western Force, Simon Cron. This interview was meant to be conducted a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, due to schedule clashes and the like, it got pushed back, but it does mean that we've been able to speak to Simon on the very day that he was announced as extending his contract into 2026 with the Western Force. In addition to that, they've already played their two preseason matches against both the Reds and the Brumbies. So we had a lot to talk about in terms of the development of rugby in WA over the last 12 months and also the, the direction of this, frankly, really improving Western Force team for 2024. Now, I've been away for a little bit. Um, For those of you who are watching, you might be able to see a pretty impressive scar on my neck. Basically, just had some time out, needed to get some stuff taken out, which shouldn't have been there. So I'm on the mend and looking forward to getting back into regular scheduling and programming as soon as possible. So have a good one, team, and I will catch you soon. Enjoy the interview. Hello, everybody. It's Ando here with the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. You may be able to tell from my voice, but I'm a bit under the weather here, but nothing would keep me away from interviewing Simon Cron, the head coach for the Western Force. Simon, how are you, mate? Good. Thanks, Ando. Great to see you again, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Before we dive into kind of everything that's been going on with the Force and what's coming up in 2024, mate, there's some pretty exciting news coming out of Perth today. And what I heard is you're sticking around for a few more years. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. Like, uh, uh, the boys, yeah, I'm uncomfortable talking about it myself, but, uh, <laughs> yep, yep. It's, um, it's a discussion we had for the last few months, myself and Neve, just around the direction of the club and where we're going. And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, our job as coaches and an organization is to drive the change to where we want it to go. So, as a part of that, it's important for those boys that we're, connecting to them long-term so they don't feel like it's a yep. short-term thing. So so that's yep. kind of the why. Brilliant. And so with Neva kind of coming on as the CEO, she's been acting in a role for the last four months. Now that's been confirmed. And now with your long-term signing as the head coach as well, can you speak to where you are wanting alongside Neve and as an organisation, wanting to take the organisation moving forward and how that kind of led to you putting your signature on that dotted line to stay out west for a few more years? Yeah, well, the big one, that um, one of the things, so I, I, did a good, uh, uh, I did a presentation to the board when we finished the season around, you know, what we... Um, learned coming into the Western Force and, and the areas that we feel like um, we needed to evolve and what it looked like from an organisational perspective around, um, you know, one of the things we live by as a player group is good as the enemy of great. So what does great look like and, and where we need to take it as an organisation? And one of the big things is we think that we need to lead as a state. So the Western Force, mm-hmm. our mentality as a board, as an organisation, as a player group, as a, as a coaching group is that we need to lead the way in some areas rather than follow. 
Uh, and if we do a good job on that, then ideally Rugby Australia come over knocking our doors and send their people over and go, hey, what are you doing here? You know, what? Um, rather than us trying to follow and, and be one of the states and, and kind of seeing what's happening with Rugby Australia and the different things, I feel like instead of us waiting for things to happen, we need to force change. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, things like the third tier competition, things like driving, you know, um, our program to be better than what, what it's been in the past, all those things. So, so that was a big conversation myself and Neve had. And so with that, one of the things that you're somewhat known for being passionate about is that third tier. And from my understanding, it's what drove a lot of the work behind the uh, end of season tour last year with the cheaters or the, play, the kind of playoffs with the cheaters. Um, can you speak a bit more to what some of those areas are that you and the force organisation would hope to be leading in in the next, say, couple of years? We need to be leading in facilities. So we need to, our facilities need to be better. Um, and I mean they're good right now but they're not great so for us we've got to give our players the best opportunity so we are looking at what does great look like worldwide and and Neve's working with the state uh, and politicians on okay well how do we become the home of rugby in Australia how do we become a dominant rugby um, state in terms of facilities so there's a lot of work a lot of work going on in the background with Neve and Hodjo working on those things Um, so that's number one uh, then number two, we need to look at that competition and giving our players more rugby. So uh, Super Rugby's 18 rounds and, it, and it's great and it's a sprint race. We need to create an environment where we're getting another NPC or NRC type scenario, mm-hmm. whether that be playing with overseas teams like we did with the Cheetahs this year. And then what I would like to see in the evolution of that is for it to be six or seven games in a row rather than four kind of separate. Uh, yep. What that will allow us to do is bring through that next stage of players. So a lot of our academy boys, a lot of our boys are not quite super, but at the same time giving opportunities to somebody like Max Bury, who played mm-hmm. you know five super games at the end of the season, did quite well. And then what does he do? How does he learn? How does he get better? So we've got to create that competition too. So that's what we're looking at doing. Well, last time we spoke, we had a really fun conversation because it was at a pretty challenging time of the year for the force. And not sure if you remember, but we spoke about um, some of the challenges facing the game over in WA and how there were things like um, sports ovals no longer having rugby posts, the pathways for juniors being kind of gone and non-existent or shattered, and then finding it really difficult to locate local players who had both the skills and experience needed to step into Super Rugby as it was right then. How has the landscape changed in WA in the last 12 months and what are some of the positives that we can be holding on to? No, you're right. There's still some lag time. There's still a little bit of lag time um, in in terms of that catch-up. I'll tell you what, though, in the last 12 months, I've met so many people who are passionate about the game here in WA who love rugby, Mm. who support the force, who support club rugby, I think the final between Pelly and Wests was was a great um, example of rugby in, in WA and it was a really good standard and a number of our boys were involved and loved it. Uh, we tracked a number of those players. We've had opportunities to take. We took 10 guys out of Clubland and fitness tested them all. We took five away to the Cheetah Series to play them. We still have um, a couple of guys in our environment right now training with us who we think will benefit from another 12 months with us. So instead of us going, we'll go back to club land or go back and then come back again, we're kind of kind of try and keep them in here to help them be as close to professional as they can to help with body weight and fitness and those kind of things. So um and we've also had probably around forty to fifty different either coaches or levels of coaches or players come through our environment and watch training, understand what it looks like to be at the next level. So um 
12 months on or, or 10 months on, it's, it's uh, exciting. There's a lot of different changes. Now, it, it's an everyday thing, so we have to keep going. Mm. We can't stop. So uh, I just got a couple messages today about coaches coming in this week uh, and giving them the opportunity to be able to evolve and get better so they can see how it works here. Uh, and the fun thing is we've had everyone from juniors to seniors to, you know, we've presented, we've done a lot of presentations. We've been out in the market. We've talked to... I did a junior presentation at 12 coaches, all those kind of things. It's just a constant work on for us. So um, we're to keep going. We're to keep going for us yep. to make it a long-term thing. It sounds incredibly exciting. And, I mean, the fallout that you spoke to from kind of the 2017 axing is always going to be a long-term recovery. But it sounds like with the longer-term longer term planning that yourself and Neve are putting in place that things are moving in the right direction. And then um, similarly, we had a bit of back and forth regarding some of the um, the signing of players who weren't Australian eligible or maybe quick yep. elevations of players to the captaincy, other squad-based issues. Again, kind of 10 months on, how are you feeling about the shape of your squad and how come you keep stealing my Waratahs players, mate? Uh, uh, yeah, what ones? What ones are you talking about? Will, uh, Will, Harris. Will Harris, Will thank you, and Tom Horton. Yep, all three. Oh, Hordo. Well, Hordo was overseas, to be fair. I fished he him was. back. He was. Uh, yep. he and was thank you. He, he was great last season. He was great last season. and He'll be better again. Um, okay. First question, the foreign player thing. Look, I think when you look at your squad list, you've got to go, how can I most benefit the team around their own development? Now, we had average age of our four-pack last year was, I think, 22 on field. Uh, I couldn't push Rush any longer. And even today, he hassles me about the fact I brought him back because I tried to again today. <laughs> so um, we what we do is we work on a, a philosophy of team first and individual second. What is best for the team? And what is best for the team has to be the decisions we make in recruitment, retention, um, and progressing the team forward. At the moment, we have a top-tier squad and we have an academy squad. And there's a little bit of lag time between when we can get those guys ready for Super Rugby. So really, if you look at a proper run academy, you look at signing players for three years. First year, they come in on talent. Second year, they come, they progress to the second year on talent, work rate, and effort, attitude. Third year, they're going to be playing Super Rugby, but we need to get them ready for it. What we probably have at the moment is some guys that were signed initially straight away into Super Rugby, and they're going to be three years off. So we had a wee lag time. So there's still a lag time for us to buy some time for those academy players to be ready so that when the door opens, they're successful and we're not setting them up for failure. So during that time, for example, Tom Franklin, locks for us was so hard. Locks and hooker, we're looking worldwide for Australians. Who can we pull back? What can we develop? We had two WA club players at hooker for us during the preseason, trying to give them as much as we could. They weren't ready for Super Rugby yet, um, giving them time and giving them opportunity to grow and develop in our environment to understand, okay, well, this is the level. This is what it looks like. So, therefore, then when it looks at the lock scenario, we're going, well, we need to bring in somebody who can add to our environment, will be culturally in line with where the boys are heading and help our guys get better. Now, Tom's that guy. Look, I've been lucky enough to know him a little bit for a while. Um, and what he's doing now in our environment is he's helping evolve and grow the players underneath him so that'll come through. So, you know, Will Harris is 23, 22-year-old. Lapiti is 22. They're going to be great for the future of the, of the club. Now, at the same time, working on those academy depths so that when 
when we when these guys come out, the next group are coming through. So they're coming through from within our under our roof. So we're developing players under our roof. So that structurally, mm. culturally, everything's the same. It's easy for them to progress. And it's just um us buying a little bit of time on that lag. So that happens. Mate, you're speaking too much sense. You're speaking too much sense for me to be able to pick <laughs> holes in you stealing the players. And um Look, on to that point, let's let's move into 2024 now and we'll start with the trials because you had the first uh, victory against the Reds and then the close loss to the Brumbies. And if I'm not wrong, congratulations on your first ever away win with the Force being a trial win against the Reds. Is that correct? Oh, good question. Uh, I think it is. I went back and checked out the Cheaters matches as well. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But uh, you're right. It's a... It's a um, the boys, we changed a few things. We yep. changed a few things around our squad and then, and what we learned from last year around some of our boys. So um, we gave them a slightly different format on this away tour. And uh, I thought they did really well in that game against the Reds. There were some areas that we could have, we let them come back a little bit at one point, but um, mm. overall the performance was, was uh, you know, learning how to win, important for us. So, yeah, big time. Are you able to speak to some of those changes that you put in place? Yeah, we, we're one of the things is um, time zones, just making sure that we can help the boys better with the time zone change. So we, during the off-season, we had a lot of meetings with some of the uh, Perth teams that travel. Wildcats, Perth Wildcats was one of them, Yep. around what they do on their trips. Now, that's slightly different to us um, in terms of contact zone, that kind of thing. But we are staying a little bit closer to Perth time when we can. Um, rather than trying to transition straight away and get in the other time zones. Uh, there's also some expectations around the teams. What One of the things we learned, which we weren't maybe as aware of, is it's when some of our guys do go east, um, and it's like when they travel anywhere, I suppose, but um, sometimes they get pulled a lot left and right by families and friends and um, mm-hmm. and, and some of their community that they, they, they see over there. So as a result of that, we're limiting that now. We're putting some structure around when our boys are available um, to go and see other people and when they're not. Yep. Uh, so that they don't feel like they have to please everybody. So it's all about team first. Uh, and that was implemented for the Reds trip. And then looking back now at the Brumbies match, with the Reds game being successful um, and coming away with the win, the Brumbies, I wasn't able to watch the game because I don't, I don't believe it was broadcast, but what have you as a coach taken away? And then where are you at in terms of the broad plan and structure that you had for this preseason? You'd spoken previously about being 10 months ahead compared to 2023. Um, how have you approached it and how, you, how, how does that Brumbies result fit within your planning and scheduling so far? Yeah, we're still very, we were pre-Christmas still very skills focused. For the cheaters, we went a little bit of structure because we need to play games. So we progressed a little bit, got some structure into them. We we found, okay, we need to go back, work on our mall D, work on um, catch pass running. So we went back and did a lot of uh, skill work again pre-Christmas, just constantly driving it. Now, one of the, the feedback from the guys coming into our environment has been, well, their skills are good. So, okay, that's positive feedback from someone who comes in from the outside, like Dono and Waddy. Uh, now we're back on structure. When we played against the Brumbies, we were not good at set piece time. So you might not have seen a game, but on, on their scrum, just some of our setup stuff, like it, just getting that right, getting some cohesion between some of the front rubbers. Um, we had a few, you know, a, a number of those guys not like Santi not playing, and Tom Horton was out, and a couple others that were. Um, but what that did for us is showed us a, a little bit of. Um, 
help we need to do with our dip chart, just making sure that these guys, when it does come time for them to come on, they come on and they flourish. And then the other side of that, some of the guys who came off our bench were outstanding, offered a lot. Ronan Leahy, uh, Henry O'Donnell, uh, TT at number eight. A number of guys came off the bench and really added, uh, which excited us. So, yeah, we learned a lot about the game and we feel like that was one that we let get away. Well, in 2023, you did not let many games get away from you at home. I think it was just the one match against the Chiefs, which was uh, a loss. How have you and the coaching staff been changing the training and the messaging and the way in which you're doing things with the team to make sure that your away record is picking up whilst maintaining your home record? Yeah, I think um, those things I mentioned before about the way we travel and what we do Mm -hmm. uh, and the expectations around the team around this is your time to, um, I suppose, fulfil those family needs. And this is the time where your team, you change back to team. Uh, and then just getting really crystal clear on our New Zealand trips and what that looks like and the same things. So putting things in place for them to be successful. And then there's some other distractions you learn about. I'm a bit old for uh, some of these things. I don't know about you, Ender, but are you, very, are you aware of things like Tinder and how they work? So, uh, uh, been a happily married man for uh, many years now. So, unfortunately, okay. no. Fortunately, I don't so know. So, <laughs> you and me, uh, and uh, we, we missed that. Um, but, but what I'm talking about there is even things like when you're in a place for two or three weeks, because we can be on the road for three weeks. We were the highest travel team by miles last year. We had 38 days away from home. And, and you know, sometimes just um, us learning, oh, okay, well, this is something that we need to put some expectations around as well. Like, understanding uh, when and when not to uh, engage uh, with outside people, you know, like this little things like that. And it's, it's probably a common thing in rugby teams in the past. It's just the the way that uh, social media and these different things are now. We probably need to be a bit more aware of it. So there's little things there that we've talked about. Got me by so surprise. Moving into, moving into the actual um, style of play and the like, I mean, traditionally the force have been seen uh, I guess from an external perspective, is maybe a dogged team, somebody that's always in and willing for the fight, and they've had occasional sparks in attack, but they're not always able to assert themselves upon the opposition. That's just my kind of read over the last few years. What do you want this team to be known as in terms of their tactics and the style of play that they are renowned for? Um Great question. Within the team, we're pretty clear on how we want to play. We, w- we would like to be a team that's seen as a high-pace, high-skill team, high-pace, high-skill. Uh, that's how we'd like to be seen as, and there's a bit of work to go into that. But also, we need to be technically really sound. So one of the things we've got to work on and continue to work on is our kicking strategies to make sure that uh, when it's the right time, we kick at the right time, we find space, and we put pressure on opposition. I think if you look at our territory and position stats last year, we probably gave the ball away a little bit easy. Uh, and sometimes didn't control territory as well as we could have. So they're two big areas for us. Uh, and then I would love us to be a team that never goes away, never. So if we're up, we keep coming. If we're slightly down, we keep coming. You know, we just don't stop coming. Like, that's what we want to be renowned for. I think we have to be a team that – we have to be a team that outwork other teams. And I know everyone says it pre-season and da-da-da-da-da. We have to be. For us to be successful, we have to outwork opposition teams. That's us. Then moving on in terms of your ideology or the, the, what you want the team to be known as, what do you want them to be achieving? What are the team goals for 2024? Is it make that finals berth? Is it get top six? Um, is it win all home games and 
30% of those away. What, what, do you, what is it that the Force team are striving for this year? To be honest, Endo, I, I battle with putting a number on if you make top eight, if you do this, if you do that, because for me, you're close enough, sometimes good enough for people. I think if you enter a competition, your mindset has to be to attack every game to be able to win every game. And if it's not that mindset, why enter the competition? Now, there's a process to winning, and we talk about process versus outcome all the time, and there's some things we've got to do to kind of make that happen, and we're working on within the team. But you won't hear me tell our team that close enough is good enough ever. So, so therefore, I'm not going to give a number because a number for me is um, accepting mediocrity from the get-go. I think we have to go into every game with the mindset that we're there to win it, every game. End of story. And then you personally, how are you hoping to grow as a coach this year? I mean, it'll be the second year in, in charge of our Super Rugby team. What are you wanting to grow and develop in? Oh, the big one for me this year is that culturally, um, as people start to come into our environment, uh, they get sucked into the culture, the beliefs and the structures that the team are creating and that the boys are driving a lot of that now. And that's what excites me the most about this group. There is a real change here. Like, there really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to somebody before we travelled to see the Reds, and one of our young bucks, I said, how are you finding this year? He goes, I'm loving it. And I said, well, that's good. He goes, it's way different to last year. And I said, okay, well, tell me why. He goes, oh, look, I mean, it doesn't matter who I room with. They're all great people, all in the same mate. And I said, well, that's good. You know, that's good. I love hearing that. So I think we've got a bunch of motivated athletes here who are all wanting to go... Um, the same direction. They all have the same drive. They love each other. There's a real tight-knit group here. That they're starting to really enjoy each other's company, and I can see it in them. So what I would like to see as a coach this year in terms of the evolution is handing over the baton to those guys uh, as the week progresses and then running with it. So by Thursday, ideally as a coach, you do want to be handing the baton over, and they've done the planning and the preparation so that they're comfortable that on Saturday they'll perform. And that's what we're looking for as a coaching staff, and that's the evolution for us, so that the boys by Thursday take the baton and run with it. Yep, sounds great. Well, what we'll do is we'll move into our quick fire fan questions. I mean, you know the Sea of Blue. They are rabid and they are fanatical. So when we put a call out for uh, questions to be put to you, heaps of them came flooding in, and I've just selected a few of them. So please feel free to give kind of one to two sentence responses um, as as we go. We don't need the kind of full in-depth chat. So first off, Thallium, Chop, Duncan, Bill, and about five other people ask a variation of, how is Isaac Rodder's foot and how's he tracking as a person? Must be pretty challenging with those repeated injuries for him. Yeah, hey, really great question. Look, um, Isaac has, has, has had a long road back. He has. Has that been challenging for him? Yep. Um, all I can say is that most recently, with the progression of his foot, he's actually looking really, really good. He's looking faster, stronger, fitter. He did some contact work in the last few weeks, and I can tell you right now that's a big body in contact. So we're excited by where he's hitting and where he's getting to, but at the same time, I won't pressure him. So, uh, yep. yeah, he's adding more more closer he comes to playing. Brilliant. So we won't be seeing him for round one, but hopefully soon after. He, he could be close for round one, um, but at the moment, we're still he's still got some trainings to go. Yeah. Yep. Seriously. Sounds good. 
Julie T asks, what did you pick up from training with the Aussie Sevens and the time spent with John Menenti and Tim Walsh? Yeah, look, um, John, John, uh, I was lucky enough to coach against John back at Shoot Shield. And we also had Chucky Stannard, who's a legend of a man. Chucky spent a week with us pre-Christmas last year, came back again, spent some more time. And we want that. I, I'm a big believer in when there's opportunities to, we keep going into each other's environment. When they came to our environment the day before, we went to theirs. It's about them watching our training and saying, hey, what did you see? What did you hear? What did you think of the player involvement? So we're just asking questions the whole time, getting feedback from them about what they thought of our training, what they thought of our players, what they thought of the structure. And then we went into theirs, uh, very similar. They were like, what did you think of the structure? What did you think of the setup? Who do you, what do you think of the players? Anything you picked up that you think is worth mentioning? So it's a real share-share environment. And what I loved about their environment was – how passionate those boys were, how quick they were into the drills. And what they liked about ours was some similar stuff around intensity and, and duration of our trainings. So that's a constant for us, always having people in our environment who can give another set of eyes. Brilliant. Ben asks quite a specific question, but how much emphasis do you put on groundwork when your player is tackled? Is it all about them finding their chest or is quickly placing the ball back the priority for you? Work on ground is critical for us. One of the areas that we identified last year was, especially around first phase strike play with some of our backs, is the work on ground. So what I mean by that is um, 80% of your ruck speed is dictated by your ball carrier. Right? It's amazing, but it's the it's the majority of it. Your first arrival only really impacts it to sort of 12%, third arrival, 8%. So your, your, your ball carrier and the ability for them to get a weak shoulder and then long place. So we talk about weak shoulder, staying square, and then scoring the try and long placing is critical for us. Um, now, we talk about the long place. We go head, shoulders, hands, because one of the mistakes we made last year is we'd go hands. Some of our players would go hands, just gets kicked out. So head, shoulders, and then hands uh, on the work on the ground is a real driver for us to be able to get quick rug speed. Dean asks, who do you see as that physical beast who will bring the controlled aggression needed in a rugby game? We have a couple that are evolving quite nicely due to uh, Rob Fox, one of SNCs, he's put some, put some muscle on them. Uh, for me, uh, Tian, who's one of our tight heads, has, has got amazing acceleration off the line, taking away time and space. Santi uh, Madrano is the same thing. He can really hit people and he can do three or four tackles in a row. Lepetti, one of the developing locks, along with Tom Franklin and Isaac Rodder, they're also guys that can get off the line and hit people and get some carries. And then you've got some interesting ones around the backs as well, where Spinky, Hamish Stewart is just tough. He's just tough. Yeah. Hits hard, plays hard. And then obviously, you know, Harry Potter's got quite a big bum and quads, so he's quite powerful through his lower half, and he can do some damage too. I'm not sure I've missed some there, but, but they're, they're guys that can really do some damage. Yeah, Sam Spink was just my most valuable player for the Force last year. He was incredible in so much that he did defensively and offensively, and yet hardly anybody was talking about him. I thought he was amazing, and he was great for my fantasy team as well. So long may that continue. Um, another question, have we got a third tier yet? Asks, what will be your signature dance move when the Force win the Super Rugby Pacific this year? What's your go-to dance move, mate? Running man would be right up there. Look, I'm okay. Look, uh I remember years ago, Razor, uh, Razor's a good man and he's a better dancer than I am on the ground. Uh, and I think he sent a message to me asking through one of the reporters whether I was going to dance uh, in, in Clubland. And I said, look, I can do a running man, but when I hit the ground, 
I'm not quick on it. Like I'm not good on the ground. So if anything, a running man or a hula type approach would be more of my go-to. However, I'm getting less flexible by the day and some of the boys are taking that. Uh, I think the physios are not keen on working on my body. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see how I go. Well, I think I'd do a good run. Yeah, that'll be good to know. Well, hopefully we get to see that later in the year, mate. And um, one of the questions that we've asked every head coach um, when we finish these preseason interviews is a broad question for their audience and their fan base. So for all the Western Force and Aussie rugby fans listening to this, what message do you want to share with them for the 2024 season? I think the big thing for me to share with them is that we have a a group of players under our roof right now that will make them proud. Um, They make us proud every day. We we are lucky enough, very lucky, to be able to coach them and to help them grow and develop. I think the message for our supporters and fans is they're evolving every day and uh, we won't be perfect. There'll be parts of the games where there's little momentum shifts and changes, but our boys will stay in the fight all the time and they'll make you proud. And along that journey, uh, they're going to get some some th- do some things this year that'll excite you, and they'll excite us. And then we will learn from wins and losses because we've got to keep growing and keep pushing forward. Well, Simon Cron, head coach of the Western Force, thank you so much for your time and best of luck for the season ahead, mate. Go well. An absolute pleasure, Ando. You look after yourself, and uh, we look forward to catching up again soon. Catch you, mate. Bye.